0: If you have God's word, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Mark, chapter 15. We're going to pick up at verse 33. And uh, so whether you've brought a bound Bible or maybe an electronic, in fact, I wonder how many bound Bibles do we still have? Everybody has a kind of electronic gap. Raise your Bible up if you, have, you actually have a bound Bible. Wow, I'm impressed. That's like a third of us probably still carrying a bound Bible. That's awesome. Uh, so we're going to Mark, chapter 15. We're going to pick up at verse 33 and, and begin to read the story. Uh, Which is appropriate for today But before I do, I want to take a moment and introduce to you just a a beautiful family uh, That is now a part of this family And it's our new executive pastor And what that means, he is an administrative pastor He will be dealing with business and ministry and the whole gamut And that is the pastor Vic Alvarado, his lovely wife Darcy, Victoria and Logan Would you stand and welcome to the Alvarado family Amen, amen, welcome them Praise the Lord He's been in the saddle uh, since Monday, and uh, this is their first Sunday, and they were at the Good Friday service, which was an awesome service, by the way. Our young adults, I need to pause and say, our young adults, college young people, everybody did such an awesome job. I'm so proud of that group. It was just a very, very worshipful time and such a great reminder of, of Jesus and his sacrifice, so thank you, guys. But anyhow, uh, it's so good to have everybody here. I want to invite you to follow me as we look at Mark chapter 15, beginning at verse 33. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, Lema Sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary, Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, the younger and of Joseph, and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. It was preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea. a prominent member of the council who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead summoning the centurion he asked him if Jesus had already died when he learned from the centurion that it was so he gave the body to Joseph so Joseph bought some linen cloth took down the body wrapped it in the linen and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There, you will see him just as he told you. Let us pray. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for the word this morning. I thank you, Lord, that the story, Lord, is so relevant and so real, Lord, and so timely. And Father, we thank you for your precious holy presence this morning. And I I believe, Lord, that you are speaking, not only through the history of this text, the story of Jesus, but Father, you're speaking to our hearts this morning. And I'm not sure what it is that one or another may need to hear, but Father, we're just open. We want to hear from you, God. We we pray that this time, these few moments that we spend together in the Word, that, Father, that they will become personal. A- and for the one that is maybe discouraged, that they would find maybe a message of encouragement today. For, for the family that maybe is going through a very difficult, stressful time, I pray that, Lord, that there would be some direction, maybe some encouragement that that family would receive. And, and Father, that you would minister there. And, and, Father, I pray for maybe possibly the one that has questions. I pray that you would answer those questions. Yes, in this story that we're reading this morning, that, Lord, out of this story, that the, the answers will come. And, Father, you, you speak that way. It's, it's a miracle how, how many times and how many different ways that your word comes alive to us. And so, Father, I pray that this word this morning, this reading, will come alive and be relevant for that person this morning that needs it. So, Lord, we pray your blessing upon the word. We thank you for it. We ask all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen. Amen. Now, in the passage, if we look at the passage, take a moment and do that. We we see here that the passage describes Jesus as Savior in one place. And then we drop down just a little bit more and we see that he then is described as the Son of God. But then we come to the very end of the passage and we see that he is the one who has power over death. And I I love this because it really explains to us, you know, the, the beautiful reality of Easter. That in the reality of Easter, there is this presence of God amongst his creation that brings to us the hope that is mankind's hope. Amen. It is not just a story in history. It is that. It is a story in history and in context. But it is also the supernatural reality that God worked in a supernatural way. Amen. Amen. And in that supernatural event, there is God's plan, and better still, there is God's plan for mankind. Amen. Now, if you want the science behind the killing of Jesus, I mean, it's out there. I, I, I've been through many dramatic presentations of, of, of what it meant for Jesus and his body when he was crucified upon the cross, and, and all the things that the body and the organs go through as a human being is, is, is handled in that way. I mean, it, it, is, it is gruesome. If you really want to get a, you know, a glimpse of it, watch The Passion for Christ. It will remind you. But in every time that I hear the story of Jesus and, and, and what he went through before the cross and while he was on the cross and after the cross, every single time I, I need to say that my, my heart is deeply, deeply moved. Every time. But when we come to the story of the cross of Christ, the, the story of Christ, there, there is a message that is, that is prominent. There is a message that, that he has for us, and it's a message that, that changes our lives. And, 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 and I wonder, do you want to hear it this morning? Do, do you, are you ready for it? Shake your head up and down. Are you ready for it? Here it is. The message of the cross is that God is for you. God is for you. He's for you back there. He's for you up here. And that is part of the message of the cross that God is for you. And I don't know about you, but when I know that somebody is really... For Tony Miller, I mean behind Tony Miller, I, I stand a little bit taller. When we know that somebody is for us, we, we shine a little bit brighter and, and we have a little bit of a spring intercept because we know that somebody is for us. Amen. And folks, this is the message of the cross, that no matter who you are, God is for you. Amen. And see, we know that God is for us because he leaves His throne in heaven. He becomes flesh. He manifests himself and invests himself in this plan for his creation. And, and and what this shows us, this shows us a God that is a God that is reaching down to his creation. He's reaching down to us. And when I think about a God that is reaching down to us, swirling around in my head, is this imagery, this idea that 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 Jesus is Jesus is reaching Jesus is reaching out to us. I imagine In my mind's eye, as I think about the imagery of Jesus when he's when he's reaching out to us, I think of Jesus reaching out to the sinking, the sinking Peter when Peter had faith and he walked on water and and then his eyes were diverted for a moment and and he began to sink and. And because of Jesus' love, Jesus reaches out to Peter. And I I can't help but think about the the man that was healed of leprosy. In Luke chapter 15, do you remember that? In Luke chapter 15, I I imagine the hands of Jesus as he's reaching out to the man who had leprosy. And he touches him and and he is healed of his leprosy because of the hands of Jesus. And, And I don't know what there is about it, but when I think about Jesus, I always imagine him. You know, I imagine him with his hands. His hands are doing something. His hands are, are stretched out. His hands are, are hands that are embracing others. His hands are, are serving others. It's the hands of Jesus that are loving and the hands of Christ that are healing. And when I think of Jesus in my mind, I, I think of the hands of Christ. i I'll never forget my earliest memories in life. Uh, they were of hands, really, the hands of my mother. I remember the hands of my mother who, who would sometimes rub Vicks of Vapor Rub on my chest. And those hands that would then take a tea towel and fold it and warm it over the burner and then she'd take safety pins and she had the safety pin the warm cloth to my chest on top of the vapor rub so the heat would drive the vapor into this little boy's chest. I, I remember my mom's hands doing that. I remember my hands, my mom's hands because they, they were pale. My mom was a green-eyed, green-eyed redhead and she had kind of a very white skin with some freckles on her hands and... And it was those hands that I remember that, that, you know, would reach up and caress me sometimes. I remember the hands of, of my mom that would reach out to me when I'd fall and she'd pick me up. And I'll never forget the hands of my mother when I was in first grade. I was playing on the playground and I was hanging from some monkey bars. And I don't know if any of you remember, but there used to be these... these uh, this kind of this play thing on the school ground was called monkey bars and there were bars that kind of crossed in different directions and they're about eight foot tall. In fact, this was the time before schools started getting sued. This was the time when the monkey bars were planted in pavement and concrete. There was no bark and no, you know, rubberized flooring or mat. It was just right there on the concrete. And, and I remember at the, the top of the bars, I had this great idea. I kind of thought something of myself that I was like Tarzan or something. And I'd taken one of the uh, jump ropes that they have in school when you're in elementary school, those kind of waxy, plastic jump ropes, and I'd tied it to the top bar, and I thought to myself, I'd swing from one bar to another, first grade, and so I did that, and as I swung across the monkey bars, and I got about in this position, my back kind of facing the ground, the, the, the jump rope came loose, and I fell that eight feet, my head hitting the bars on the way down, I landed on my head, I know that explains some things, I got it. But, but I landed on my head and I was unconscious. In fact, I was in and out of consciousness for several days. And I remember throwing up. I remember in those earliest memories in first grade being so sick. But I also remember my mom sitting there with me in the hospital and mom sitting on the couch beside me while I was healing. And I remember the hands of my mom that was there to place a cold cloth on my forehead. I remember my mom's hands as she held the medicine and she placed the medicine in my mouth. And and I just am so uh, so moved when I remember the hands of my mother that were loving hands that were reaching out to me and hands that were healing hands. I cannot help but say when it comes to Easter that that Easter is very much about that. They, it is about the hands of of a God who loves us, the God that reaches down to us and, and a God that reaches into our world. It's the hands of the creator that is sending us on the Great Commission. And, and the Great Commission is not just this law or this idea that's written out that we're to go to, you know, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the world. But but it is the hands of the creator that is calling us to become his hands. To go out into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the world. And to go into our San Diego and to go into our California and United States and the entire world. That we might be the very hands of Jesus. I imagine the hands of our Creator as He began to create our creation. I imagine the hands of the Creator as He knelt down in the midst of creation. And He took the dirt and He formed man. And then He he breathed life into that man. I imagine the hands of our Creator that is reaching down to us and reaching into His creation and the hands of God that is reaching into our lives this morning. You see, Easter is about that. Easter is, is about Jesus who reaches out. You see, this is the love part of the gospel. Jesus is reaching out to those that are... Those that are seeking, those that maybe are looking for meaning in life or those that are looking for purpose in life. And we're thinking there's got to be some kind of answer. But the good news is right here this morning that Jesus is a savior that is reaching out to the lives of those that are lost. And sometimes, folks, we are lost and sometimes we're in a predicament. We're wondering, you know, how are we going to get out of this situation? I mean, how am I going to solve this problem? I remember when Heidi and I were young, we hadn't been married very long. We had a couple of little toddlers and we went on a drive. We ended up somewhere on the border of Idaho. I was pastoring in Idaho and we ended up somewhere on the border. I'm not sure. I can't remember where that was exactly, but it was a, a, a field of rock pillars called the needles and people would climb these gigantic tall rock pillars several hundred feet in the air. And so I had it in my mind that I was going to, you know, I think I can do this. And I say, honey, watch me, wait for me. And, and so I, I did this very stupid thing. I had no training, no equipment. And so I began to climb this rock pillar. And, you know, I'm waiting for my wife to be proud. And I'm looking, and I'm watching and I'm climbing this thing. And this was nothing like when I went to the gym with Pastor Jeff. Pastor Jeff took me to the gym. And I want to tell you, I know I look pretty good now, but folks, I am in no shape to do any kind of climbing. And so Jeff kind of just laughed at me as I hung about three feet off the ground trying to get the next handhold. It was impossible. But anyhow, so I'm climbing this rock pillar and uh, I get up about a hundred feet in the air. And then I realize that I'm in a predicament. Because, you know, I see no way by this time I'm hanging on to these tiny little lips and my, my tennis shoes, that's all I had on. My tennis shoes were hanging on to these little tiny ledges and, and I'm just kind of hanging there and there's no way to go up and nobody to go down. And pretty soon my fingers began to cramp up. My legs began to shake a little. Have you ever been fatigued like that? I mean, I'm there on this cliff and I'm just kind of shaking like this and I'm thinking I'm going to die right in front of my wife. Well, needless to say, I didn't die and I made it down. But, you know, I think sometimes life is exactly like that. We get into a predicament. We wonder... You know, how have we got in this place, or how we got stuck like this, and there's no way forward, and there's no way back, and how do we undo this? Well, folks, when it seems like the world has walked out, there is somebody that walks in. When it seems like the world does not have the answer, there is someone who is the answer. And that answer is Jesus Christ. Amen. You see, we recognize that in the story of Easter, we have a Jesus that is Jesus that is reaching out. Jesus reaches out to us when life makes no, no sense at all. I, I, I can imagine the ladies' challenges as they were approaching the tomb. Go back to the text there. I mean, th- they're having this discussion, who will roll away the stone, right? Who will roll away the stone? And you know, it was a huge obstacle. I mean, the stone, there's no way that the ladies were going to be able to do this thing, but they continue on their path. They're, you know, going to where Jesus Christ was buried. And, uh, and, and they're wondering, you know, who's going to roll the stone away. And so what happens is, is they arrive on the scene. The stone has been rolled away. There's the angel sitting at the right hand. And, and, of course, they receive the message. It's interesting that what they were expecting did not happen. That is to find the stone in front of the tomb. But what they were expecting did not happen. But what did happen was something better than what they expected. It's that way with Jesus Christ. And I understand that sometimes we get in the situation that we cannot imagine that things are going to work out. But with Jesus Christ, he will work them out. Amen. I believe that. That notice what happened here. The angel asked them in the passage. The angel asked them to have faith. To have faith, he says, go tell the others, Jesus will be there in Galilee. Now, there was no guarantee. They didn't know for sure that Jesus was going to be there, that Jesus would be where, you know, he promised he'd be, that the angel was promising that he'd be. But, but you see, really what the angel was asking, that they would have faith, they would just go tell the others that Jesus would be there in Galilee. Now, I cannot tell you how many times that when God has spoke to me, I, I've said, What? <laughs> Or or how many times when God has spoke to me and he speaks in different ways when God has spoke to me, I've said, but God, I mean, you know, when when my logic does not line up with God's logic, because you see, kingdom logic is different than my logic. And what we see here is kingdom logic in this Easter story and that that God was working in ways that man could not see. Amen. From my heart, here's how I want to describe this kind of faith, that faith is the evidence of our belief before we see the results. Now, that's not that profound. But listen to what I'm saying. Faith is the evidence of our belief before we see the results. Amen. Now, I understand that life makes no sense sometimes understand that life is painful, life is it's unfair, and we get knocked off balance sometimes. And we're wondering, how, how is this ever going to re- work out? Well, it'll work out because of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our answer for this world that we live in today. I believe that. So Easter, Easter is about Jesus that reaches out, but Easter is also about a gospel that reaches us, which becomes really the mission or the mission for life itself, the mission for the believer. O.C. Oswald Chambers, he, he writes this, he says, spiritual vision depends on our character. Now, I'm remembering a statement that Jesus makes in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, those with a pure heart shall what? Those with a pure heart shall see God. Think of that for a moment. And then I come back to the statement that O.C. makes, Oswald Chambers. He says, spiritual vision depends on our character. And if part of the the story of Easter is that God has given us a vision of the kingdom... The question is, how good are we doing? How well are we doing with this vision that God has given us for his kingdom? Amen. In fact, as a, a church, we have a, a vision. We have a mission that God has, has called us to. And it's the seek, serve and, and reach. It's right here before you. And, and in this last word, the word reach, we kind of define what does this mission or what does the spiritual vision mean? Uh, how is it defined in, in this ministry, in this church? In fact, I have it for you. Here's how we define the REACH part of our mission. To follow the biblical mandate of the Great Commission. In fact, that's it right there in a nutshell, the REACH part of it. It's the Great Commission. By equipping those who worship at mission to share their faith story in a way that connects people to Jesus and the mission of Mission Church of the Nazarene. Amen. So that's the mission that God is Call us to. It's the mission to tell the story of Jesus Christ. And more importantly, the story of our own life and how we've encountered Jesus Christ. You see, the story makes all the difference in the world. I, I love the story, not of the war part of it, but the story of this community. A story is told that during the bombing of a city in World War II, a large statue of Jesus Christ was severely jam- damaged. And so after, you know, the war was over The the people wanted to reestablish the statue of Christ in the center of of their town. And they weren't worshiping the statue, but they had made a decision to be a Christian community. And so the statue of Christ represented their love and their faithfulness to God. And and, and so they wanted to restore the statue. And so they lifted the statue back up on the pedestal again. And they brought in experts and they repaired the statue. And it was a, a beautiful representation of their faith. But there was one part of the statue they were not successful in making reparations on, one part that had been actually just crushed and they could not they couldn't fix this part. You know what part it was? It was it was the hands of Jesus. The hands were irreparable. They could not repair them. In fact, they talked about bringing in a a professional sculpture and re-sculpting some hands and drilling holes in the end of the arms there and attach the hands. But the city council had a conversation. They talked about it. And they decided that they were not going to replace the hands of Christ. And so you have this beautiful statue on its pedestal in the center of the town standing there with no hands. But see, what they did decide is Instead of replacing the hands of Christ, they decided to put on the bottom of the, the, uh, the foundation that the statue was sitting on, they decided to put a plaque. And you know what's on the plaque, what the words were on the plaque? The words were, you are my hands. <laughs> you are my hands. You are the hands of Jesus You are the hands of of Christ and you are the the feet of Christ. And and you see, that's the challenge that Easter gives us, that that we become the hands and that we become the feet of Jesus Christ and and that we tell our story, how Jesus has impacted and changed our life. Amen. And I'm wondering this morning, before we can ever before we can ever tell the story, maybe it's possible this morning that that you've never met Jesus. I mean, that's pretty bold. Maybe you've heard of Jesus. Maybe you've thought in your mind, okay, there's this idea that Christians have that there is a God and something about his son, Jesus. But you've never made this decision that, that I, I'm going to believe in Jesus. I'm going to believe in God who became flesh. And, and, and this morning, maybe the Lord is speaking to you and he's inspiring you right now to say, I want to be the hands of Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to invite you this morning As you listen to the voice of the Lord, not not the pastor's voice, not even what it is that your neighbor is thinking. But I want to invite you this morning to listen to the voice of Jesus today and to say, Jesus, I'm willing to be your hands. Jesus, I I want to be your feet. Jesus, I want the story of Christ to mean something to me, not just, you know, when I come to church, but I want the story of Christ to mean something to me right now, this morning. And so maybe it's possible today for the very first time you're going to say, Jesus, I want to invite you to be a part of my life. Jesus, I want to be your hands right now. In fact, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Let's do that. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Father, for, Lord, this Easter story that we're just celebrating this morning. That you became flesh and you went to the cross and you died for us. And you defeated the sting of death. And you've brought to us, Lord, this hope. A hope that really brings meaning and purpose. And balance to life. A hope that really, when we, once we experience it, it's indescribable. It's beyond our imagination. But when we meet you, Jesus, something comes alive in us. Something that is real. And that is the truth, the historical truth, that you died on the cross for us, for our sin, for my sin. And so Jesus, I pray that you would just speak to that that one heart, that, that one that's been asking the question, how do I become a Christian? H- how do I begin to walk with Jesus and follow Jesus? How do I learn to live a life like Jesus Christ lived? I pray for that one right now that's come here, maybe with other kinds of questions, not spiritual, but maybe it's just questions about life because something... Something really difficult is going on right now. And I pray, Father, that you would just speak to that one also. And so, Father, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, nobody looking around, just between you and the Lord. I want to invite you to say, Jesus, Jesus, I want to be your hands. I want to reach into my world and I want to be your hands. I want to be a part of your kingdom. I want you to be in my life, Jesus. I want to know you, Jesus. I want to experience you personally. And you're praying that way right now. Go ahead and pray that way. With your heads bowed, eyes closed, just in your mind's eye, you're saying, Jesus, I want to be your hands. I, I choose you, Jesus. I choose you, Jesus. Right now, I choose you. I want, I want, I want to be a part of what you're doing, Jesus. Maybe I don't fully understand it. I don't really understand completely what you're doing. But Jesus, all I know is that your voice is speaking to my heart right now. And I want to be your hands, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer right now. Your head's bowed and some of you are just praying, whispering your prayer. If you're praying this way this morning, I want to invite you just to lift your hand up. Nobody's looking around. Just between you and the Lord, I'm going to be carrying you in my heart, personally, privately. Just lift your hand up. Just lift your hand up. And you're saying, Jesus... I want to be your hands this morning. Jesus, I want to be a part of your kingdom and what you're doing. Just lift your hand up there. God bless you. Lift your hand up. Somebody over here on the right. Somebody in the back. Back there again. God bless you. Somebody else. Lift your hand up right now. God bless you in the front here. Jesus, I want to be your hands. Jesus, I choose you. I want to be a part of this kingdom that is called God's kingdom. I want you to be glorified through me and in my life right now. Somebody else. You just know the Lord is speaking. And he's pulling the strings of your heart. And you're saying, Jesus, I want to be your hands. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody else. You're a little nervous. It's just between you and the Lord right now. Saying, Lord, I'm going to be your hands. I choose you, Jesus. God bless you. Another young person. God bless you. Pray this way. If you lift your hand up, say, dear Heavenly Father, I love you today. I want to be your hands in this world. I want to be a part of your kingdom. Pray that right now. I want to be a part of your kingdom. And Lord, I know that I fall short. The Bible teaches us that we are separated from you because of sin. And so God, forgive me. Wash me, make me clean, Father. Accept me just as I am, Father. Thank you for that. And then pray, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, come into my life. Everyone just lifted their hand up. Maybe others even say, Jesus, come into my life. And be my Savior. I choose you, Jesus. I want to walk with you, Jesus. Father in heaven, thank you for our prayers this morning. Thank you, Father, for the goodness that we've experienced in you and even the anticipation of moving towards this this particular Sunday. It's no accident that the saddest day and the gladdest day are only three days apart. It's no accident that all of the world is brought into focus on this particular event. That God, that you broke into human history, and you set things on end, and you sent your message, your son Jesus, to us. Thank you, Father, for that. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing these prayers. Those that have just said, Jesus, I choose you. Hear those prayers, Father. Bring that work to completion in their lives. We thank you, Father, for answered prayer. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen.